Juliet, Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 165 of Dogcast Radio, which marks the start of 2016. And don't forget, you can find every episode of Dogcast Radio at www.dogcastradio.com. Now, for a new year, we're talking about a new approach. Because when I saw Jill Brightner's post titled, There's More to a Puppy Pile Than Cute, I wanted to read it. And having read it, I wanted to talk to her, which I was lucky enough to do. Jill really knows what she's talking about, because she has service dogs, therapy dogs, companion dogs, and she's used to getting puppies of all ages settled. Her approach is wonderfully warm and refreshing, so I wanted to know what we can learn from the puppy pile and how we can apply that to puppies entering our homes. Okay, so if you think about puppies when they're in utero, they're they're all together and they're born all they're born and then they sleep in a heap, a puppy pile in a puppy heap. Yeah. And they do that um for the warmth, for the touch. They don't hear and they don't see, so they're relying on those two senses and that's even their their nose is their first sense. That's how they find their meal. They sniff their way to the teat. And then even when they're eating, they're touching and feeling warmth from the mother and from each other. And so when they're born like that and they sleep in a heap for even beyond the three-week the three period where their eyes and ears open, they still will climb up on top of each other and, and sleep in a pile. Yeah. And... And it's adorable, but it's more than than cute. It's necessary. It's part of. It's intrinsic intrinsic to their nature to have that. And it's why we used to. And I don't know why we don't do it anymore, other than they probably can't even find a hot water bottle anywhere because everything's electric. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we and we can't. Everything is digital, so they don't even make a clock that makes a loud ticking sound. But you know, I'm 60 years old, and I remember, you know, my mother would say, you know, get a hot water bottle, and yeah, yeah. we'll make a big blanket, and, and, and a loud ticking clock, and that sounds like a heartbeat, and we'll put that under the blankets for the towel for the puppy so they can feel that same kind of sensation that they felt in utero and after birth. Yeah. And I can remember that, actually, and, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then now with digital clocks and electric uh, heating pads, you don't put an electric heating pad in with a puppy. Some people do. And then with crate training coming into the picture, it kind of all went on by the wayside. And, you know, I get so many calls with my dog is screaming in the crate and they're frustrated about their their puppyhood and, you know, their, but I heard that, you know, if I let my baby cry, they'll cry it out. Uh, it's very different because we snuggle a baby and we nurse the baby and a lot of people sleep with their babies or in a bassinet and they fall asleep and, you know, with a puppy it's different. They don't yeah. have any of that. Yeah. You see, it's, it's really interesting and, because with, with, with my daughter, I found it very instinctive and it was, she was very difficult to settle. And so I fed her, I cuddled her, and, and I learned that if I put her on her own, she woke up. So guess what? I didn't put her on her own. You know, I kept her with me. And that's yes. a personal choice. That's, and that's, you know, up to everybody. I'm not saying that's for everybody. That worked for me. But with, when I got my first puppy, I'd read a lot. And there's so much information out there. And everybody's got a different opinion. And you're kind of bombarded with these, you know, this is the right way to do it. You will get in a mess if you do this. And you're terrified. And... And, and it was the time of sort of crate training was, was, was very strong. And, and, and I do like crates and, and crates are still around. But it can mess with your head when you bring that puppy into your house and you just think, oh, how am I going to get this right? I need to get this right straight off. So it is difficult. Well, it is. It's very difficult. And I, I just want to – there is a place for crate training. Yes. I, there's no yeah. question for me about that. There is a place for it, but not those first two weeks. And if you, if people are so against it, so when I work with my clients and I tell them, these are your options. And some people say, oh, you mean I, what, if I sleep with my puppy, then it's always going to want to sleep with me. 
And I say no, because when the dog is secure and comfortable and knows that it's in a safe place because it's traumatized leaving its litter mate in the only home it ever knows, yeah. you'll then be able to work with a secure puppy and teach the puppy where you want him to sleep. So the whole housebreaking issue, I when I sleep with a puppy, they never have an accident in bed. They're sleeping. Yes, the reason yeah. that puppies sleep in the middle of the night is because they're looking for that warmth and that that touch and that heartbeat of the other puppy and once they start rooting around and looking for that and it's not there they start to wake up and as soon as they start to wake up they then have to go to the bathroom so when I'm sleeping with a puppy and whether it's eight weeks or ten weeks or twelve weeks old they sleep through the night day one oh, that's amazing the first night yeah, because when I hear them wake up, and they do, because they've kind of moved away, and then they kind of go, all those cute little wonderful yes. puppy sounds. And I pretend, I, then I start breathing harder, because I want to let them know that I'm still asleep, but I'm aware of them. And I take deeper breaths for them to find my body. And as I'm doing that, they move their self, themselves a little bit closer, and they're right back to sleep. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then by... So 5 36 o'clock in the morning we're up we go out we go potty and then we go back to bed for another hour and so that i can start to teach them that i'd like them to sleep till seven o'clock but i don't expect them to go from we go from the last time i take a puppy out is about 10 and we go till about 5 36 o'clock in the morning and that is huge for an eight-week-old puppy yes yeah wow that's, that's so impressive but i mean Really, it does make sense because I can remember, again, with my first dog, with Buddy, we brought him into the house and I can remember he sort of trotted around and had a sniff and had a look. And then he just sat down and whined. And yes, I, yeah, and I did think at the time, gosh, I've taken him from, you know, all his brothers and sisters and his mom and, you know, other, other relatives were there. And I brought him to this place that smells different, looks different, and he's the only dog here. And it must be a huge yes. change. And we do this to, to puppies and we expect them to just accept it and, and, and sort of cope with it, don't we? I know. And it's so traumatic. It, even though they're playful and happy, it, like that, what you just said is the perfect example of, of a puppy going, oh, wait, where am I? Yeah. That at that moment they're traumatized, and even though and they're so cute that we just don't even notice it. They, then they then they go off, and then they start sniffing around, looking again, and then they usually go to the bathroom because they're anxious. So the anxiety is what what um, triggers them in the beginning as a young puppy to have to go to the bathroom so often. Just like when if we get anxious or excited, oh my god, I got to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. You know, so yeah. it's the same kind of thing for them, and. It's 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 a wonder that so many puppies from that experience actually do turn out okay, and that is not from anything that we've done, but all about a dog's resilience yes. and willingness. Yeah, yeah. And that that we overlook that I think is is critical. So one of the other ways that I try to make that less traumatic when I know somebody is getting a puppy is to buy a plush toy and to sleep in a t-shirt and send it to the breeder so that last week they have your smell yes so you sleep with you sleep with a plush toy you sleep in a t-shirt and then that goes and then when you pick that puppy up even if you met the puppy especially if you met the puppy first and then you you leave a plush toy there um and then you bring that puppy home that those smells are not so new when when you come home yeah yeah it's it, it seems to me it's all about sort of blurring the lines between okay that was you know your your breeders if you like and this is your new home and they're different places and bang you're in this new place and it's different it's about blurring that transition isn't it kind of thing yes i love that word julie i love that blurring the transition <laughs> it's so much about that i love that yeah yeah, it's uh, it, it is when you think really, really think about it. Yeah, as you say, we take them from the bosom of their family and just go, and we have them. You know, we usually, you know, you, you bring them in and they're with you all day, and then it's nighttime and it's bang, and we have this issue. I think so, how where you sleep is such a big issue 
for us as humans yeah. you know we've made all these rules and and you read these rules and and one of the things um, and, and in some ways it is important you know this start as you mean to go on because for example you know if you don't want a big full-grown Labrador jumping on the sofa don't let the puppy jump on the sofa and that makes sense but then when you apply it to the where they sleep it, it does in yeah. some ways it stops making sense so much definitely from the puppy's point of view um and we've, we've kind of we've so you've dealt with it you know that there isn't an, there doesn't seem to be an issue with the, the toilet training they're they're going through the night which is much more than any of my dogs ever did um but the, the other thing that would worry me is that issue of you know i'm not starting as i mean to go on i'm letting the dog sleep in the bed i may not want that to happen forever so but you 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 find that your dog's sort of um settle in and then are willing to change to move are they well there's there's two things i want to talk about here and the first mm-hmm. one is uh, i want to get back to this one breeder education because that came up so we i think it's something that we need to to talk about but the thing that we want to create in a dog, the two words that people really need to hone in on with a puppy or a shelter dog, any dog that they ever get, is security and trust. If you don't make your environment secure, you will not have a dog who trusts you. So when we bring a puppy home, it's not about I need to get my sleep and I need to house train this dog. It's only and should your only focus is about how can I make this puppy feel secure in his new environment. Mm. And so once the dog is secure, once you have a puppy who says, okay, this is much, this is, I can deal with this. I feel secure here. Then you're, you're starting to teach whatever you want to teach. And it's easy because you're coming from a solid foundation of a confident, secure dog. And so whatever you want to do from there, that you have a much more willing partner. Yes, yeah. I guess in, in a similar way, you, get, you sometimes get a similar argument with either treats or, you know, clicker training, that kind of thing, that if you ever use treats or clicker training, you will have to use it forever. Which oh, no. exactly, which you don't have to. It's like you know, with with my Labrador. Yes, I have. Um, I used you treats with a new behaviour, and we have used um, the clicker. Really, with with heel work to music behaviours, I found that almost impossible to teach. I wrestled with it for a. I didn't. I didn't literally wrestle with the dog, but I wrestled with the issue for a fortnight, and was getting nowhere. Tried the clicker training, and within a week, we were doing quite. You know, I was really pleased with our. our um, progress and he was he was picking things up but now if I say the name of the behavior he does it he doesn't sort of think well I'm waiting for the click then so it's kind of the same thing isn't it our dogs grow and learn and we we underestimate them in some ways we totally do and and absolutely do and that's this whole bit about body language we we think that this that this is a dog and they should just move into our world in our t- domesticated world and do as we say without really realizing how is it that they learn and how do I know that what I'm doing is effective if I don't know how to read their body language? Yes. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. There's nothing, treat training, clicker training. You know, I work with horses and you can't muscle a horse. You can't muscle a dog. And so I don't, I have always done this before clicker training came out is um, I, if I go like that, then my horses, that's my clicker training. They hmm. turn around and look at me. My, because I, I, I'm too. I, I'm, I'm actually really coordinated, but I never got why I would want to have a clicker and a leash and a treat. Yes. That just felt like that's way too much in my world. When I don't even like having a saddle on my horse, that's too much between me and the horse. So I like to really be able to feel my dog through my leash without having more stuff in my hands and so I naturally just made the sound mm. and the same thing as having a clicker so you don't need a clicker you can just make any sound you want yeah yeah oh yes it's just that pinpoint that noise is, is the pinpoint yeah. isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. I it, it, it seems to me in in some ways it's about finding the way that works for you and the, the, the dog or horse, but you know, that works for you. And obviously, yes, you've got to take into account. It's not, yes, I'm getting a good night's sleep and the, the dog is crying his eyes out in the, you know, in the, um, 
laundry or wherever. It's not that, but it's sort of finding the way that works for all of you. And, and, and it's finding that sort of your, you read so many different um, viewpoints and different opinions. And when I saw your post about, you know, sort of having the dog sleep with you, it was, what I really liked was it feels so nice when someone like you, a trainer, you know, with, with authority, gives me permission almost to do what instinctively feels right. Yeah. It's, and, then, and that's what I try to talk to my clients about is, is when you're in, in everything in life, but I can only talk to them about their dogs. And mm. if you are doing something and something in your gut says, listen to that. Don't listen to what you read in a book. Listen to your gut and do that. Yeah. And find somebody that will help you go that route. Yes. And I think even at the beginning of that blog, when I wrote it, I said, you know, I may be thrown right out of the whole dog community, <laughs> but I'm going to take my chances. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Because sometimes, you, you see, I, I think the whole thing about sort of where dogs sleep, for us as humans, it's a huge issue. And I can remember it, it hit the headlines in the UK before and there was a lot of discussion and, and I was asked on various programs to, to discuss it. And comments were made to me about sort of people in the dog world will lie about where their dog sleeps you know particularly if the dog sleeps on the bed with them or in the bed with them people who you know I'm talking about successful competitive you know people who compete successfully they will Mm -hmm. keep that secret because it of of criticism you know they might get and it's it's just crazy isn't it it's 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 not harming anybody else if your dog sleeps on the bed with you so what's the problem um, yeah, the, it's, it's funny because I, the, the dog community, well, I don't know what it's like where you are, but in America, it's very, um, we were just talking about this last night, that the community is, is very divided. And as you see in the blogs, you know, it has to be this way. Yes. It has to be this way. And yeah. there's nothing that's black and white in, in, the, in any part of our world, there's nothing that's black and white. So why should it be that way with the dog community? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I really try to talk to people about listening to your gut rather than what somebody else is saying is the way for you because it might not be. I sleep my all my dogs sleep on the bed with me. Does that mean that they're dominating me? No. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. You know that that it's it's you know it having having um a dog that is responsible and respectful and spoiled rotten is my goal. Yes. Because otherwise I have them. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I love that from, from your post because it says you know, your, your motto is you can have a spoiled rotten disciplined dog. And you yes. can. But I think some people get confused about what spoiling a dog is. You know, I do, dogs don't want vast amounts of money spent on them and you know they don't care about that they want love they want comfort they want you they want your time they don't want your money and people get confused yes well and they get they get confused with you know we are now living in a in a time where a lot of both parents are working Mm, mm. and so the, you know, the family model of the family, you know, the parents and the children and the dog has been struggling since that has been the way that our society has gone. And so where, what do you do with the dog when no one's home to raise the dog? So you stick them in a cage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we begin to come back to, you know, it really the, you know the crate training and the and the having a dog sleep in the crate there I remember when when my mother had kids, the bottle came out, so she didn't nurse any of us hmm. because she was in the you know upper middle class and it was much more cool to and stigma to bottle feed your baby yeah. than nurse because that meant you had money you could afford to buy. And and so there's a whole generation out there, you know, it's, it's, it's a cultural timing thing that happens. And then at some point, we begin to come back, like dogs were left outside. Yeah. 
and it's you know their property that's like you know just who cares it's a dog and then we shifted into dogs coming in and on all this came about we all people who love animals know this about our animals but scientists just called them a number until yeah. jane goodall came along yeah yeah and so we really have evolved with dogs but so it will find some kind of balance from this rigid and and so when i say rigid because the force free and the positive movement movement is awesome and i'm so grateful to for that to have come about from jerking your dog around and doing all these things that that obviously are not any good but it's now if you don't do that you're a bad person so yeah. there's yeah. still we're still evolving and we're still coming to a balance and that's why this article, this blog about sleeping with your puppy raised, I, that was one of that, that and one of my other blogs, you know, were over 300,000 views within three or four hours uh -huh. yeah. because it speaks, it speaks to what is so natural and so against what's out there. Yeah. It's, um, it is, it's, it's our nature. I always think it's bandwagons. A new idea comes along and then people yes. jump on the bandwagon and they get enthusiastic. And sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's not such a good thing. But it's, you know, we do, there is room to be tolerant of people who do things differently. And, and it's, it's far nicer to sort of put ideas out there and say, hey, have you thought about this? Rather than sort of criticize people. It, it, you know, even if you want to, you feel like criticizing them it's far better to put the idea out there and say have you thought of this and do it in a positive way so i like the presentation of that as well it's um yes yes yeah get people yeah, thinking yeah yeah now and that's what i think that's what blogging should be all about and that's what what i think anything that we're doing when we're that passionate about something is i'll feel very strongly about something and put it out there you know, and also put the other side of it out there just to start stir up a conversation because it's necessary. We need to be talking about these things. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, when you encounter an idea, you know, as I say, thinking back to when I had my when I had Buddy to begin with, everything was new and every idea. And sometimes you react, you hear an idea um, and you think, oh, no, 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 that's not for me. And then you think about it a bit and then you think, oh, I, I might be able to make that work. So it's, you know, it's being open to new things and, you know, and thinking, yes. will it work for me? Will it work for the dog? Try, you know. And, and you say, if, if, if you have a gut feeling of no, I mean, one of the first trainers we went to, his idea of stopping the dog coming out of the, the crate and teaching it manners was to slam the door in the dog's face. And, and I, I know, and I just thought, no, no, this really isn't for me. I'd had discussions, you know, full and frank um, exchanges of opinions with him before then. Um, but at that point, I just thought, you know what? No, this, there's no point staying here and arguing my, my side. I'm just going to find a trainer that feels, you know, better for, for us. Um, and, you know, so, and, and so we just moved and, and that was that. And, um, and, and now I sort of try and put ideas out there by talking to people like yourself who are great role models and who, you know, who help and, and put ideas out there rather than just, you know, criticising. So it's, it, it's lovely to come across that post of yours and think, oh, great, here's something I can share. So it was, it was really good to read that. Oh, sure. And I, and I want to get back to that one point because yes. all of this is about, about education and the breeder... When I have clients and, and, and we, we talk about what kind of breed is good for them and we finally settle on one and we find a breeder for them if they don't get a shelter dog, then um, I'll tell them, you know, talk to the breeder. If some breeders have, oh, you want to send a toy and a T-shirt? Hmm, okay. You want me to get your dog used to a crate by, by putting um, him in a big crate with three of his litter mates and then two days later two of his litter mates and one day later one of his litter mates and by the time he comes home he's in a crate alone and that's the first time breeders have ever heard that and so we if we can start to begin to educate our clients to educate our breeders puppies won't come so traumatized if that's how they want to be raised in a yeah. crate yeah yeah so again it's about finding what will work and again what will make things less traumatic for the dog isn't it that's what it's all about 
because that 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 part of the trauma easing that trauma and recognizing that it is a trauma to begin with because people just think puppies are cute and they're bouncy and they don't Mm. they're never they're how could they possibly be traumatized but recognizing that they are and making that less is a lifelong foundation that will help you in everything that you do from then on in yeah yeah definitely Definitely. Now, I I do I, I want to talk about your dog decoder because um, mm-hmm. again, thinking back to when when um, I Buddy was oh, a few months old. I mean, he, I think he maybe I don't know ten between say ten and fourteen months, and he got into the car and he managed to get up on the passenger seat, and and I can remember saying to him, "Get down, get down," and he was turning his head away from me. And I interpreted that as he's pretending he can't hear me. And it wasn't until, you know, that's, that's, I just put a human interpretation on it. And it wasn't until I read that it may well have been that I was stressing him and he was turning away from me because I was stressing him. Um, And I kind of went, oh my goodness. And that was one, when I learned that, um, that was really a huge push for me to to find out more about how to read what my dog was saying to me, what my dog was feeling, you know, how he was trying to communicate with me to, to, to make life easier for him and not to get it sort of wrong from my point of view. So I do think it's terribly important for people to understand what their dog is trying to communicate, isn't it? I think it's, if you don't have that, you don't have a true bond. You, yeah. you have a relationship, but it's not as deep as it can be. If you, it's like how you and I are communicating right now. And if I didn't speak your language, we wouldn't get very far. No. no. If you spoke Japanese and I spoke English, we wouldn't get very far. Yeah. So to not, to not know what your, what your, how your dog talks is, I think it's insane. It's, yeah. And for this to be like a revolution in the world, like, oh, we should be paying more attention for trainers not to have that as part of their training program to teach them about body language is insane to me because who cares if your dog can sit, stay coming down. I, when I see these these dogs, you know, at the show ring or, um, you know, performing or doing something or even out on the leash, you know, walking with somebody and I look at their body language, you know, they're pretty – you know, they look like robots to me. They're yeah. not happy. Mm. They're 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 not pulling on the leash. They're not lunging. They're like robots. Yeah. And I think, oh my god, how sad. He's you know he's trained, but he's not happy. Yeah, yeah. And also, it's it's supposed to be a partnership. So to me, it's it's yes. it's cruel and and so unbalanced to think right. You, the dog, you have to listen to me. You have to learn what I'm saying and understand that. Hopefully, because I'm putting it in context, but you know, for some, what, for however we do it, you've got to understand me and and respond how I want you to respond when I say things. But I'm not going to bother to to learn in response anything about what you're saying, and that it's just so unbalanced, isn't it? Yeah, and it's 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 so odd because we get them as companions. Yes, and you know we love our dogs, but you know only if they fit in. And yes. that we're not really concerned. And, and, you know, we're, we're talking at that end of the spectrum because there are a lot of people who really try and, but they misinterpret it. So mm. when, you know, they don't understand it, but they're trying. And since there's not a lot of information and the information that's out there is so technical that people just kind of shy away, which is why I made the app the way I made it. It's cartoons. Yeah, yeah. But it's and it's accessible to kids and to adults and it's a real life situation. So if you're petting a dog and they look away, that that when I put that quiz out there on Facebook, um that particular image, it says is the dog relaxed or stressed? 99% of the people say the dog is relaxed. Oh. And it's stressed. Yes, yeah. So they don't really understand it. And then to, to, to think and, and to wonder, you know, the dog brings a toy into the room right after you finish playing fetch. Sorry, you finish playing fetch. You are finished playing fetch. And you come inside and you want to sit down and have breakfast. And your dog goes running through the house and then comes back with your shoe <laughs> for more fetch. Yeah. And you yell at the dog. And the dog is going, what? 
I still want to play. And, you know, you put the ball away. So here, I brought this. And then yeah. you yell at the dog, and the dog's totally confused. And you then start chasing the dog, and then the chase is on, and the dog's going, okay, well, we're not playing fetch now. We're playing chase. I'll do that. Okay, I'm going to go get another shoe. <laughs> and then and, and the whole thing turns sour, and the dog is totally confused. And then they wonder why the dog doesn't come when they call him. Yeah. To this mad and predictable person, which who who I have been <laughs> at times, I can remember because, I mean, again I, with with Buddy when he was younger, he would pick up any item he could, and it could be a shoe, it could be a tissue, it could be a TV remote, it could be a you know a little mm-hmm. toy of Jenny's, and he would run outside with it. And I have to say, maybe half a dozen times, I did panic and I ran after him. You know, oh, I have uh-huh. to get this back and exactly the wrong thing to do now luckily I just became exasperated because I think I, I can't remember what it was he ran out with something I think it was a glove or a obviously something that smelled nice a glove or a, a shoe or something and I just went do you know what I'm I can't chase you today and I shut the patio doors the, the big windows and I shut the curtains mm-hmm. and I was just so cross and I was like no not doing it today and when I opened them five minutes later he was sitting there he dropped the the glove or the shoe and, and he was just sitting there like don't you want to play? Aren't we playing games? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I was getting it so wrong. And, and it was, but it, and I sort of realized then, ah, so it's not the thing he wants. It's the attention he wants. That's just a, you know, a tool to get the attention. And that really changed right. things then. Yeah. And it worked. You know, it's funny because this is how smart he is because he did, he did pick up something when he was very young and he got a rise out of you. Yeah, And then that's right then and there he learned that when he does that, he gets a rise out of you. So he mm-hmm. learned to do that more and more and more yeah. the more the older yeah. he got. And, you know, he might have done that at 10 weeks. And then that one time was all he needed. And then yeah. he continued. Yeah. And when I have a puppy, when I get a puppy like that, and, and, and most, I don't know, a puppy that isn't mouthy, and they pick up, I purposely leave things that I don't like down. So an old pair of shoes that are training shoes for dogs. And I leave them down, and they bring it, and they pick it up, and they look at me, and I look at them, and I just sit on the floor, and I look away. And then they'll look at me like, well, what are we going to do? We're talking nine weeks old. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, just yeah. a few days after. And then I'll say, what have you got? And I'm on the floor. What have you got? And they bring it over, and I say, oh, thank you. And I give them one of their toys. So it's never an issue. It never becomes a chase game. Because yes. remember, I might be teaching that dog that it has to, uh, to be a service dog to pick something up and give it to their owner. Mm-hmm. So I just have to take that energy and put it somewhere and then switch out the toy for something that is appropriate and then start to teach from there. So a dog that is real mouthy and picking things up is actually – an easier dog to train if people understood the body language and how to use their own body language when they're working with a dog. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have to, I have to say we have got to the, the, and we did get to the point, I don't know, sometime between one and two um, where Buddy wouldn't pick things up. I mean, up, up until the point he, he sort of got the, the hang, I, I managed to con- con- communicate to him he was he uh-huh. would, because he's a labrador you know he would pick everything up and run around with yes. it and think how am i ever gonna learn to live with this dog and then finally yes i managed to get my act together and convey to him i'm you know that there's better things to do and bless him now he he will lie i used to be amazed initially he will have dog toys and there'll be a tv remote on the sofa and he will chew the dog toys and not the tv remote you think Oh my goodness! How <laughs> clever are you? <laughs> you know, and and it is—it's amazing what they can learn if you get it right. Yes, absolutely, yeah, definitely, absolutely. Yeah, I had that that black lab Charlie um, that I had that I got that was just a crazy little six month old dog. He was doing nothing wrong, but he just was getting all the wrong messages, and so he was like Buddy, and so I really was I really just taught him he would carry my sleeping bag to the car. He would carry stuff out of the car into the house. So I just say, I gave him that job. You want something in your mouth all the time? Then help me out here, buddy. And he would pick, he would take anything. I said, go get that. He would get it and bring it to me. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's fun to take that, you know, like who is this dog? And that's why, you know, when you bring that puppy home and you sleep in a puppy pile, you might find that you bring that puppy home and it's sleeping next to you, and then it moves away. 
And when it wakes up in the middle of the night, it just wants to know that you're there, touches you, and still moves away and doesn't need to be touching but wants to have be close enough to feel the warmth. That dog's probably going to grow up to not be a cuddler. Nothing yes. wrong with that, but good to know, you know. So that puppy pile, that first two weeks, is is not just it's not just for them to be less traumatized. That's our goal. But out of that goal, so whenever we do anything with a puppy, we're doing something, but we're going to learn so much more in that process about who this puppy is, and that's an ideal time to learn that. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. And of course, if you are having a dog come in that. You're, I mean, if at that point you don't know whether it's going to be a service dog or what, what its future is going to be, you have to get to know that dog pretty quickly, don't you, and, and see the potential in the dog. Yes, and I'm a little different in that way because um, I only take one dog in at a time, and, mm. I, and I know the owner, so I never get a dog in and then try to find a home for the dog for, as a service dog. We always, I work with the family for whatever the disability is, and we find the right dog for that person. So I do always know where it's going to go. But yes, when that dog goes home, they are so much more educated in who this dog is than just a bunch of commands. Yes. Yeah. Do you, do you sometimes find that the dogs that make good therapy dogs are the dogs with a bit of a spark about them that may have been troublesome as a pet dog, as a companion dog, because, you know, exactly the pattern of life we were talking about, you know, people are busy, people work, everybody's got something going on. People want, sadly, they want a very passive dog. And it's sometimes those lively, clever dogs that are too much of a challenge who make a good dog with a job, don't they? Absolutely. That's, uh, there's no question about that. And, they, I, you may not know this, but um, the service, the um, search and rescue team that go into avalanches and, and earthquakes and mudslides, the, and, and those dogs that have to search for people for hours, the trainers want an over-the-top, really over-the-top, almost certifiable crazy hyper dog yeah. to work with. Yeah. It, because what they do is they... Yeah, they channel that energy into being able to to have the tenacity and the staying power for three hours to find that person. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny. There was um, a, a a shepherd. He's, he's called Graham Sims, and he's been on Dogcast before. And and um, he said, as a working shepherd, he wanted a dog that was sort of on the on the edge of, <laughs> of insanity, sort of really, really active and, and, and a bit of madness in there to to be able to channel that and pull that back. And that's what he yes. wanted, a really, you know, and, and then he could work with that. And you, you can't give that to a dog, but if the dog's got that, you can, um, you can channel it. And it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? But often it's those dogs that sort of failed, if you like, as a pet. And I'm not saying that's a, a fault of the dog, but it's, it's a, a situation that they didn't fit into and then they, they once you give them a purpose and a job and they have something to do and something to work that brain and they yes. just succeed don't they yeah and that and that's the thing is some people say well what's the job you know i you know i he's just a cocker spaniel what's the job he's not a border collie i can't send them out after sheep it doesn't matter you can if you it's again watching the body language and watching how this dog moves through its world Anything can be that dog's job. If you're paying attention, the dog's going to show you. And then you just take that. And then yeah. you work with that. So people think that there's that jobs are limited. You know, like I said that Labrador, he like it was like buddy, well then if you if you're that mouthy, honey, then let's let's put you to work here. And he yeah. was in heaven. He he the bigger and heavier the thing that I would give him to pick up that he had to figure out, he was in heaven. Like, okay, I know I can do this. I can get this big old bulky sleeping bag. I can figure out how to get this over to you. What a <laughs> yeah. challenge it was for him, you know? So there's so many jobs that, that you know, a Yorkshire Terrier can do that mm -hmm. is, you know, any little hyper dog that, that you can say, what is it that we can watch them? And they'll tell you. Well, and I teach tricks to dogs. I rarely teach a trick that I want to do. I just see who they are and I go, oh, God, that's a trick for this one. And I give it a name. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, is going to end up with a happy dog, isn't it? That's a brilliant approach. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Oh, um, Jill, it's been. I knew. I knew as soon as I read the, your post, it was going to be brilliant to talk to you, and it has been. Um, and I know people will want to sort of come and find you and, and read more of your posts and, and, and get the dog decoder and, and get some more of your, your wisdom. Um, and it has been really great to talk to you. Where can people find out more about you online? Dogdecoder.com. Very simple. And it talks about the dog decoder. There's also a blog. Uh, on, it's really just a blog page, but it, it explains a dog decoder. You can buy it um, in iTunes or in Google Play. And I have a Facebook page that's Facebook backslash dog decoder. And in Twitter, it's the Twitter backslash she whispers. S-H-E-W-H-I-S-P-E-R-S. And um, so there might be some blogs on Facebook that aren't on um, the website, but I try to keep, I try to put everything together and, and keep it pretty similar. But I'm easy to find, and I also do Skype uh, dog training sessions, um, and that you can find out in dogdecoder.com as well. And I'm, I Skype all over the world, and it's a blast to be in somebody's living room in Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's incredible. I, I love the... Um, the way technology connects us um, and the fact that, you know, you're a great trainer, but you don't live by me, but I can still access, you know, your, your advice <laughs> and Skype is brilliant. It's, yes. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I so thank you for, for, for having the courage to bring out this puppy pile and, and speak to that so people can feel like you did like, okay, I can do this. And and listen to their to their guts. So thank you so much, yeah. Julie, well, for um, for this opportunity to be with you and to spread this puppy news farther and wider. Oh, well, thank you for writing it because it just it did speak to me, and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I want to find out more. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people may sort of take a while to think, yeah, I could do this, but I think it is something. I mean, one one of the reasons that really made me interested is. Um, a family member has just got a puppy and and it really took me back and you know we talked about it a lot and then reading that post I was like oh yeah there, that that is something people really need to be given permission if it does appeal to you it, it is you know I do think it's that thing of this person you know I can say what I like but you know what you're doing and if you're saying I can do it then <laughs> I, that's how I feel you know if you've said I can do it then I have you know I can I have somewhere I can point people online and say well you look at that I can if I want to <laughs> and right. and that's what it, it to me it's about empowering people and you know and informing them and 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 helping them and the dog live you know find that 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 love that we, we know when you love a dog and when you live with them happily, it's wonderful. And I just want everybody with a dog to have that. Yes, we all do. And I think yeah, they want yeah. it too. And so like with you, there's so much confusion and so much yes. black and white information out there. I, I would like to say something. Do we have another minute? Yes, of course. Yeah. Okay. For people who are like dead set against, I am not sleeping with my dog. That is the most dirty, disgusting thing in the world. I understand what you're saying, but I'm not going to do that. I'll then ask them if they are willing to um, have their bed, uh, their dog bed or their crate. And if it's a small dog, have it up on the bed or bring a piece of a chair over so that the crate is bed height and leave the door open and so that your hand can reach in there. So when they are rooting around feeling for something warm, you can breathe, you know, your, your, a good deep breath and your hand is right there and they'll go back to sleep right there too. So it's not, again, this isn't black and white. There are ways around making your dog feel secure and at home given what people's parameters may be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, also... I think it would be good if, if anybody's listening to this and sort of saying, no, that's definitely not for me, or, or maybe they're thinking, oh, maybe, but I have questions, then wouldn't it be great, Jill, if they got in touch and we could have a conversation then and take this even further? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Brilliant. Yeah. So yes. if, if, if you're listening to this and, and you're either not liking it or you're thinking, oh, I'm not sure whether I can do that, then get in touch and we can put you in touch with Jill and, um, and maybe I can join in as well. <laughs> and, um, you know, and we can take this conversation even further because it is a really interesting conversation. And it is one that it is an issue that people get bothered about. And 
stress is the enemy of good training and, and being happy with your dog. So let's let's see if we can, um, you know, do something about it. Yes, thank you. Wonderful. I think Jill's attitude is great. And having the freedom to build that strong relationship with your dog and really get to understand them will help lots more people and dogs live happily together. If you've let your dog sleep in the bed with you, let us know. If you're dead set against your puppy or dog being in or on your bed, get in touch. And if you'd quite like to try it, but you'd like some more advice from Jill, just email or follow any of the links in the show notes for this episode, and who knows what will happen. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. Do you ever read a book and think, no, it shouldn't happen like that? Well, check out the latest innovation in romantic fiction, Macy's Choice, which puts you in charge of the plot as you make life-changing decisions on the main character's behalf. At the end of each chapter in Macy's Choice, there are always two options, and you choose what happens next. With over a million and a half words, that's over 5,000 pages, 256 chapters, and 128 different endings, Macy's Choice is an ebook you can reread again and again, making new choices each time to vary your experience to find love with each of the three heroes. To find out more, visit macyschoice.com. That's M-A-C-I-E-S-C-H-O-I-C-E dot com or search for Macy's Choice on Amazon. Every year in the US, there are 6.2 million puppies born in comparison to only 4 million babies. The saying that a dog is for life, not just for Christmas, is hitting home for some new dog owners now that the festivities are over. Charity Finding Forever Homes is dedicated to finding new homes and owners for dogs. It rescues and rehomes dogs around the UK and has looked after 331 dogs since it was set up around three years ago. But Andrea Newton, who lives in Chorley in the UK and is one of the charity's four trustees, says an increasing number of people are returning dogs soon after adopting them, and she is encouraging people to be sure they are rescue-ready before deciding to rehome a dog. Andrea says there are sometimes genuine reasons why people need to return their dog, but in the last six months, dogs have been taken back to the charity for reasons including... A dog was driven 15 miles from kennels en route to its new home and would not sit nicely in the boot of the car. A dog was returned to kennels after a couple of days because its new owners said it was boring. A new owner's existing dog did not like playing with an adopted lurcher. A dog would not go straight to sleep after walks. A freshly baked pie left just within reach was eaten by a dog. Andrea says, in other instances, one new dog owner had phoned to say she would be returning her new pet the next day as it had fleas. But with our encouragement, she took the dog to the vet, and these fleas turned out to just be fibres from the new dog bed which the lady had bought for the dog, and nothing was wrong at all. Finding Forever Homes does try to help the new owner to find a way to keep the dog, but will take it back if necessary, and clearly January is a busy month for them. And to help the sad situation, Finding Forever Homes has now launched the Rescue Ready campaign to encourage people to think seriously before taking on a rescue dog and not to give up on them at the first opportunity. You can find out more at their website www.findingforeverhomes.org.uk And from rescue dogs to the world of show dogs with the Westminster Dog Show, which is happening at Madison Square Garden in New York next month on the 15th and 16th of February. And for the first time in a long time, seven new breeds will get the chance to compete. Although new to Westminster, they're veterans of the dog world. The new breeds include the Burger Picard, the Boabel, the Senerco del Etna, the Lagotto Romagnolo, the Miniature American Shepherd, the Spanish Water Dog, and the Burger Masco which rocks dreadlocks like no one else can. You can find out more information at the Westminster Kennel Club website, which is www.westminsterkennelclub.org. And now on to a rare dog. It looks almost more like the love child of a Tasmanian devil and a fusa, but this unusual creature is a rarely seen species of canid, Speothos venaticus, better known as the bush dog. 
The species has always been rare in its range. However, new camera trap evidence suggests that the dogs might be a little more common than scientists had thought. Smithsonian Science News reports new data from photos taken by automated camera traps in remote areas in Panama, along with other sightings, show the species to be widespread in the country. The new study, co-authored by Smithsonian Research Associate Ricardo Marino, will assist conservation planning for this near-threatened species. They may be small dogs, but they are fierce, working in packs to take down prey quite a bit larger than themselves. Standing only about a foot high at the shoulders, these wild dogs use their stubby stature to run through the underbrush in the jungles of Central and South America in search of prey, which typically includes large forest-dwelling rodents. Perhaps anyone with a terrier can relate to the kind of attitude these dogs muster. Though they are tough, they are also elusive, and scientists have had a hard time capturing them on camera. Smithsonian reports to give some idea of the difficulty of studying the species. Photos were obtained on only eleven occasions out of more than almost thirty-two thousand camera days. And if you'd like to see a video of these rare bush dogs, we have a link on the Dogcast Radio site. And to finish with a bit of fun, if you fancy finding out what you would look like as a dog, simply send a photo into the Twitter account "You Are Dog Now," and they'll post a picture of your doggy doppelganger. If you like the result, don't forget to tweet us with your pic. We're at Dogcast Radio on Twitter, and that's it for our first episode of 2016. So until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio. Available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T Radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dogcast Radio. That's all one word: Dogcast Radio. By email, you can contact me on Julie. At dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way, we can include them directly in our program. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. What's a dog's favourite kind of pizza? Pepperoni.